what that formula seems to do is actually encourage phagocytosis, encourage the immune system to actively get in and eat debris that is collecting behind the retina, which is, which is the cause of macular degeneration. So, you know, with, with dry macula, you get this buildup of rubbish, which, you know, which are basically the sort of visual plates drop off as they are used up and then accumulate behind the retina. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. You probably love the study and practice of East Asian medicine, learning new things, being of service to others, creating a positive change in your corner of the world. You know, we venerate the masters. We hold them up as shining examples of what we would like to be someday. But let's be honest here. Most of us will never be masters. Those rarefied characters are few and far between. And the process it takes is not one that most of us would willingly sign up for. We do, however, have a good shot at being a fine journeyman or journeywoman. Why is it so hard to become a master? I suspect it's because masters are usually forged in troublesome fires. They may be living through a time of war and disease, and their medicine comes through the crucible of deep suffering. Or perhaps they've gone through a terrible illness or accident of their own. Or they just happen to be one of those acutely sensitive people in ways that makes everything in life really difficult. Are you really up for that bundle of pain? Lately, I've been hearing people say things like, I'm just a lonely second-year student, or I'm only a newbie with a few years of experience, or I've not been to China. There's all kinds of ways that it seems we put ourselves down and notice how we're failing to live up to what might actually be an impossible goal. I suspect the journey we take in practicing medicine is not to become like one of the masters we idolize, but to become more the practitioner with our particular slant on the medicine, that's ours to become. I suspect that if we somehow can grow more deeply into the person that we already are, take our unique perspective, insights, challenges, blind spots and potential, and polish it through the relentless process of attentively honing our craft on a day-to-day -day basis, then I suspect we have a shot at being solid, capable, and of service. This is the path of the journeywoman and the journeyman. And we are thickly in it. And it changes us as we develop a patina and a shine that is consistent with the grain of our character and experience. Mastery might be out there for you as well. Who knows? But one thing for sure, it's the path of the journey that gets us to where we're going. And I reckon there's some real wisdom in that phrase, the journey is the reward. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show... Listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on diet as medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. 
Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you're helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. Paul Nebauer, welcome to Geological. Thank you, Michael. So glad to have you here. I read your article in The Lantern. I don't remember exactly when it came out. I think it was within the past year or so. Yes, it was December 2017. Yeah. Such a great magazine. Uh, Listeners, if you're not reading The Lantern, there'll be a link to it on the show notes page. It's a fantastic publication. Anyway, I read your article concerning the treatment of macular degeneration. And it really caught my attention because I've recently become aware of some of the microsystems of acupuncture that are becoming popular here in the United States for treating this issue. But it seems like your experience came directly through what you were seeing and learning in clinic. Yes, I have to say that my experience was my response to people presenting with visual problems and me saying, well, you know, this is what I was taught. 
I trained in the Chinese system and in China. And so I applied Chinese-style acupuncture and the herbs that I'd been taught were good for eye stuff, which was basically formulas like Chiju uh, Dihuang and, you know, things like Jiawei Shaoyasan with the addition of, of sort of Juhua, Gochitsa, Shachangpu. So I simply applied what I'd been taught and people would come back and say, well, you know, look, I can actually see, I can see the numbers on the bus or I don't have as many floaters or my eyes don't get as sore or gritty. So I just relied on that feedback. My first experience with really acute visual problems turning up and responding were when I moved to Bellingen, which is the small town I live in now, which is on the the north coast of New South Wales. And I had a patient who turned up with a retinal tear. So this was Margaret, a 74-year-old woman who had lost vision in her remaining good eye. She had she was centrally blind in her left eye. And was that from the retina terror or was that from something else? That was a combination of macular degeneration and cataracts. She'd woken up suddenly without central vision in her good eye. And this was the second time this had happened to Margaret. So on the previous occasion, I think she'd been in Perth on the other side of Australia, and the treatment was to inject some sort of gas into the eye and then lie her face down for 11 days. So for treating the retina terror? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very common treatment. I think they use a laser to try to repair it too. Lasers are also used, mm-hmm. yeah. So she came to me and said, look, I can't get into the nearest major hospital for quite a while. I don't want to go through that again. Is there anything you can do? And I said, look, this is my experience. It looks hopeful. I don't know how good it will be for an acute situation like yours, but let's try it. Okay. So let me just make sure I'm following this correctly. She came in with a retina tear. Yeah. That's usually treated with this procedure that we just discussed, face down, gas in the eye, gives it a chance. But she didn't want to go through that, and she couldn't even get into the hospital for a period of time. Yeah. Okay. That's a tall order to take to an acupuncturist, herbalist. Yeah. So that was was quite challenging. So I started needling. So I was using the eye points on the occiput, so the eye line on the occiput. And points like young Lao, so small intestine 5, I think, gallbladder 37, Guan Ming, which, you know, return the light, points like that and other, and other sort of general points, uh, points like gallbladder 21 and so on, points around the eye. The usual suspects. The usual suspects, yeah, according to my, you know, my training then. And... Within two weeks, Margaret came into, into my clinic. So I think we'd had four treatments. I think I saw her on the, on the Friday. And on the Monday, she came in and said, well, something marvellous has happened. I can see out of that eye again. Wow. Now, that's supposed to be impossible. 
it's not something you hear talked about every day. Mm-mm. No, not at all. But if you talk to someone like Andrew Nugent Head, he would maintain that this is the sort of thing that, you know, that Chinese medicine did all the time, that we were judged on our success in emergency clinical situations. Wow, that's very different than the majority of the patients that we see today, isn't it? Yes, yes, that is quite different. Most people would be, you know, from here, they would be put on a plane to Sydney these days and probably have their eyes lasered. Yeah. Okay. So Retina Terror, you treated her on Friday. She comes in Monday and says something marvelous has happened. Okay. That was the, the third and fourth treatments. Third and fourth treatments. Yep. And after the first couple of treatments, it was uncertain as to whether anything was happening. Between the third and the fourth treatments, what happened was that she started to get some visual input. So she started to get flashes and wavering in that visual field, in her left visual field. And, you know, she woke up on Monday morning and she could see through that eye again. I also had her on herbs at the same time. And I had her on my favorite formula, which, which I call Chiju Dihuang Jiawe, which is basically a combination of Chiju Dihuang, which is Lyceum Romania or Lyceum Chrysanthemum and Romania formula with the addition of Chaihuba Plurum, Dungue, Juhua, Chrysanthemum Flowers, uh, Gochitsa, uh, Shechangpu, and Wuwetsa. So, you know, that's the classic formula with some additions. And, and the logic between behind those additions is that, you know, that, that Chaihu raises the chi targets the eyes because it's it's working on the liver channel. Dungwe nourishes. Shechangpu, I think, has a, a reorganizing ability. It dredges the channels. And there are there are some indications that Shechangpu is very good at eliminating buildups of what we call insubstantial phlegm or sometimes substantial phlegm in the brain which Western medicine now recognises as deposits of stuff that, that is basically just clogging up the dendrites. And in the case of macular degeneration and um, retinal tear in this case, what that formula seems to do is actually encourage phagocytosis, encourage the immune system to actively get in and eat debris that is collecting behind the retina, which is, which is the cause of macular degeneration. So, you know, with, with dry macula, you get this buildup of rubbish, which, you know, which are basically the sort of visual plates drop off as they are used up and then accumulate behind the retina. Very phlegmy sounding thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. And these herbs do a great job at cleaning it up. And it sounds like they nourish the blood, which nourishes the liver, which nourishes the eyes at the same time. So you're both nourishing and taking out the garbage. Yep. Okay. Four treatments. She wakes up. Now she can see out of that eye. What happens next? 
I, I see Margaret occasionally. Look, I actually don't know if Margaret's still alive. She's now in her mid-80s. The last time I saw her, she said, I don't really want to live past 84. Mm. And I haven't heard from her in a while. But the last I heard from her, her vision was still fine. I sort of kept encouraging her to take more herbs. And, you know, she might take one batch a year or something like that. But, you know, otherwise she'd be coming in, you know, for for me to treat the knee that, that she'd hurt at gym or something like that. Right. So after the eye got better, you would still see her on occasion, but not necessarily for the eye. No, it was fine after that. And the rest of that story, of, of Margaret's story, is that she was due to have cataract surgery, to have the cataract on her bad eye removed. So she went into the ophthalmic surgeon who looked at her eye and said, well, that cataract's gone. We, we don't need to do the surgery. Unfortunately, she didn't regain vision in that eye. But on the other hand, we didn't treat that persistently because, you know, she was happy with the return of vision in her right eye. It's really quite encouraging to hear that some pretty straightforward acupuncture and herbs, nothing fancy here. This is, this is sort of straight ahead Chinese medicine. It's very, very basic traditional stuff. The other case history, uh, who was a, a woman who was then 70, 76, I think, a more complicated story, a more sort of typical presentation of someone with a long-term degenerative condition. And in this case, Rosemary had suffered from wet and dry macular degeneration for a number of years, which is quite common. It's common to see wet and dry. Dry usually presents first, and that is followed by, by the wet. And the wet macular degeneration occurs because the blood vessels struggle to get through the rubbish to get to the retinal epithelial cells. And fighting their way through the drusen, as it's called, um, they become tortuous and fragile and start to bleed. So that's when you get wet macular degeneration. So you have this sort of low-grade hemorrhage happening in the, in the retinas. The, the Western treatment for that is to inject a, an anti-epithelial blood cell restrictor into the retina. So that sort of stops the growth of those blood cells, those sort of torturous mi microcapillaries, but doesn't seem to do anything to actually regenerate or clean up the, dam the dead and damaged cells that, that are already there. This is where I think that what we have to offer is superior because we can actually help clean it up, stop the bleeding, clean up the rubbish and stimulate cells to function properly again. In fact, I was listening to a science broadcast this morning that was talking about stem cell transplants to do the same thing. And they were talking about how 
some of the cells in the retina, there seem to be, you know, sort of juvenile cells, even in older retinas, that can be stimulated to grow and, and to come to maturity. And I suspect that what we do actually stimulates either the, the maturation of those, if you like, dormant cells. It's interesting. It's as if the body's carrying around a spare tire in case it's needed. We tend to have um, quite a lot of reserve capacity in, in a lot of our organs. Mm -hmm. And redundant systems and backups and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that that is at least part of what we're doing. And one of the questions that I've often asked myself is whether what we can do is superior to what is being offered as an alternative, if you like, by Western medicine, which is the use of um, lutein and zeaxanthin supplementation, which are the sort of the mainstay backup and preventative treatments offered to most you know, sort of Western um, populations. And these things seem to work. They were the, the subject of big studies in veteran communities in the States in the late 90s and, and early 2000s. And they do seem to stimulate some return of function in cells as well as, you know, protecting or, or slowing down degeneration of, of the existing cells. And I think we're doing the same thing. Um, the question is, are we doing it better? Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. It's a great question. It would be a wonderful thing to run some kind of research on, right? I mean, those supplements are really considered the standard of treatment from the conventional perspective. Be interesting to do a study comparing that with. Look, it would be so wonderful, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and it would be. Uh, it would be terrific to do that. So, tell us more about this second case. It sounds more complicated. Much more complicated. So, in Rosemary's case, you know, she turned up with severely compromised vision. She had been having the anti-VEGF injections for two years, and they seemed to have made no difference. She turned up to my clinic. She was a very feisty woman, 
of uh, German origin. And she said, I give you six months. (laughs) I wish more of my patients would give me six months. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, we started, started treatment. Look, I work in a community clinic in Bellingen. And um, Rosemary would come into the community clinic. You know, initially it was it was a bit uncertain whether anything was really happening. She would say things like, there seemed to be fewer, she described them as curtains and cobwebs obscuring her vision. She would say, you know, there, there are these sort of curtainy things that, that sort of obscure my vision and they seem to be getting less you know the curtain seems to be fading or withdrawing and she'd come in and say things like oh I can see the clock on the wall I can see the hands so it was obvious that you know there was something happening or she'd look out the window and say oh I can see the leaves on the tree instead of just the trunks so there was some obvious return of central vision Uh, We weren't sure quite how much, Uh, but then she went back to see her ophthalmologist who took another um, optical tomography scan, an OTC, which sort of gives gives a cross-sectional view of the retina. And, you know, and he reported that, that where there had been massive swelling in her retinas the year before, they were now smooth. And, you know, in addition, she could see two more lines in his eye chart. So there was an obvious return of vision. But that took, that took approximately a year. You know, it's not bad to take a year to do something that really, I mean, is there any other kind of treatment that, that can get that kind of a result that you know of? Well, I, I guess not. I mean, I understand it's not a return to the vision that she had at age 20 or 30. No, no. At least for me as a practitioner to think about helping the body regenerate in ways, and especially ways that conventional medicine can look at and measure and go, this is different than it was before. This is a chronic degenerative disease that doesn't reverse itself. Yeah. It reversed itself to some Mm -hmm. degree. Yeah. As you commented, I think, in the introduction, Microacupuncture is becoming increasingly influential in the States and is gaining a reputation as an effective treatment for eye diseases. And the way that people like Andy Rosenfarb work is quite different from the way that I work, for instance. So Andy will see patients for, you know, blocks of treatment, 10 days, two treatments a day. And he's getting, you know, very measurable results within that time. So he will run uh, visual field tests before and after or before, during and after to, you know, establish whether or not the treatment is working. And he's getting measurable results. We certainly have points on the board in, in terms of achieving you know very measurable measurable effects for these for these chronic degenerative diseases so a year with uh, rosemary did she take herbs as well yes she was taking she was taking 
my favorite formula, which is the Chiju Di Huang Jiawei. And look, in retrospect, if Rosemary presented to my clinic now, I would put her on a much more liver chi sedating, liver fire quenching formula. So I'd put her on something like, you know, Jawe Shayasan with the addition of Juhua, Gochitsa, Shachangpu, and Wuwetsa. But I would concentrate more on her liver chi and I would use San Chi from very, very early in the piece. Would you do that for both of your patients or just for her? More for Rosemary because... Because of the bleeding. Yeah, because of the bleeding. Mm -hmm. Margaret, And because of the liver fire. Margaret was much more a liver blood deficient kind of patient, whereas with Rosemary there was the combination of some liver blood deficiency but more liver cheese stagnation and liver fire flaring. And I would, you know, definitely treat that much more aggressively. You mentioned the um, Uetsa. What's that in there for? Okay, well, I think the Uetsa, it's mainly there as a nourisher. So it nourishes liver blood and it has a slightly astringent property. Now, the reason that I use it and I think is, is because of sort of Japanese research, which, which basically shows that it has very, very positive calming effects or restorative effects on liver function. So the Japanese use it to return liver enzymes to normal. So I use it as a, as a liver regulator and restorer. And there are some indications that it has nutrition, well, I think obviously because of its role in, in nourishing liver blood. So it has some nutritional aspects. And one of the other questions that I've asked myself about the role of, say, Gochitsa and Juhua in these formulas is that the lutein and zeaxanthin components of those herds are relatively small. They're, they're also not active in decoction in the lutein zeaxanthin supplements that are, that are commonly used. Those are oil-based extracts. So they're oil-carried extracts because those are fat-soluble vitamins. So, you know, how exactly they work and, and what part of them is, is doing the work is a bit of a mystery. It would certainly be a mystery from the point of view of biochemistry if we're just if we're just looking at biochemistry. But we're also looking at, you know, thousands of years of people using things like gochitsu for the eyes, right? Chihua for the eyes. I mean, these are very common. These are just, you know, this is what you learn in your first quarter of studying Chinese herbs, that these are very nourishing to the liver, nourishing to the eyes. So, yeah, how's that happening biomedically? I don't know. Well, okay. Well, I wonder if it's, you know, if it's, it's as simple as, as, you know, chrysanthemum is often taken as a tea with breakfast and maybe just, you know, combining the tea with whatever fat is in, is in breakfast is what does it. 
Well, and, and the gochitsa is often used as a food as well. You'll see it put into stir fries. You'll, In fact, you often see it for breakfast now that I think about it. It's in porridges, congees, and things of that nature. Yeah. At any rate, it sounds like you found some very helpful effects from these formulas for these two patients. Have you seen other patients with eye issues that lead you to updating your thinking on all of this? Well, I've seen a number of patients over the years. And as a result of the article and a, a presentation I gave at a, at a recent conference in Sydney, I'm currently treating at a distance a number of practitioners who are presenting with you know, various eye conditions, so both things like detached retina or the, the after effects of detached retina, which are what we call floaters, which are bits of you know, congealed protein in the fluid of the eye that obscure vision. And I, I had a call just a few days ago from a woman, again, a, a practitioner, who became blind in her left eye overnight with very, very aggressive macular degeneration. So I'm currently advising those two practitioners and I'm treating a man with very long-standing Stargardt's, which is an inherited kind of macular degeneration. This guy's a truck driver <laughs> and, and drives um, slashes, drives tractors with, you know, sort of whirling blades on them. So he's in his late 50s and has been losing his vision for a long, long time. So we're, we're trying to rescue what, what little bit remains. Look, the, the other things that I'm treating at the moment are uh, what's called vestibular migraine. A lot of people have this. Yeah. And, uh, and I find that variations on either Joe Shaya-san or Chiju Jihuang are terrific for the symptoms of um, vertigo and dizziness associated with vestibular migraine. It's part of, it's another indication of the, or another example of the wide applicability of particular formulas. Correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like with these people that you're seeing, the formulas that you're working with, I mean, you're, you're very much focusing on the liver. In some cases, it's more of a nourishing with the uh, Chiju Jihuangwan. And in other cases, it's more of, of liver clearing, clearing the, the liver chi, moving the liver chi, getting rid of fire if there's fire. So on one hand, you're dealing with nourishing if they're weak. And on the other hand, if there's a, a stagnation or an excess, you're clearing that. It, that sounds like there, there's two axes that you're working with there. Is there anything else that's coming into play? Uh, well, okay. In relation to um, the vestibular migraine, the other presenting picture is of phlegm obstruction. And what kind of symptoms are they showing up with for that? Is that the dizziness that you're seeing with that? You'll have a combination of, of dizziness and vertigo, but also a feeling of obstruction or blockage in the ears and sinuses in terms of visual symptoms. The other thing that people report to me frequently 
is that that their vision improves so that they find they're able to read finer print, not use their reading glasses as much. So, you know, a general improvements in eye comfort as well. What herbs, if any, are you adding in addition to things like the Shirchangpu for dealing with that like fullness in the ears and, and that sort of clogging that's going on there? Look, things like bansha, so, you know, sort of bansha, chenpi, occasionally something like zao jiaozi. I'm sorry, what, what was that one again? Zao jiaozi. Oh, yes, that little thorny thing. Yes, yeah. So that will be in acute cases. And sometimes things like sangatsu, uh, xanthium, uh, xanthium seed, xinghua, uh, baitsu. So things targeting the sinuses. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. It sounds like with your two patients, Rosemary and Margaret, emotionally, they were very different kinds of characters. Very, very different. Very, yes. very different. And of course, I mean, it kind of goes without saying in the work that we do, a person's psycho-emotive makeup in some ways is going to probably be contributing to their problem and, and probably in some ways contributing to them getting better again. Definitely. You know, now, particularly in, in the case of Margaret, she was a remarkably positive woman. She'd had a very, very difficult life. She grew up in, in England during the war and was you know, basically starved as a child because they were so poor. That had consequences for her in later life. And I think that, that her, her macular degeneration was one of those. You know, she was very liver blood deficient. And I think that was a consequence of her early semi-starvation. But, you know, nonetheless, she was just such a remarkably positive person. She always looked for the positive in any situation and was always, you know, sort of deeply grateful for anything positive hap that, that happened. So, and graciously accepting of those things that didn't go well. 
So she was a very contented woman. Sounds like the opposite of Rosemary. Yes, and Rosemary was really sort of deeply frustrated and responded with a you know quite fiery anger to when things weren't going right. You know, so she found it really, really frustrating that she was losing her vision. You know, she was a very active woman, very dynamic, and and she found it deeply frustrating. So even though before she couldn't see the leaves on the tree and now she could see the leaves on the tree, was sort of that situation, well, I just all I see is the leaves on the tree. No, she was actually she was overjoyed. But you know, look, unfortunately, in in Rosemary's life, the frustrations seemed to outweigh the good things. And in, in her particular situation, she, you know, was having trouble with things like transport. You know, we, we're in a rural area. She was coming from a village about 15 kilometres away to Bellingen to the community acupuncture clinic. And there is a community transport service but because of changes in the way social services were delivered at the time, she could only come once a month rather than once a week. And unfortunately, the injections that she'd paid for, which were, were not then covered by, by our sort of nationalised medicine scheme, were very expensive and they, they really bankrupted her which was, of course, another, another source of frustration because she'd spent a lot of money on a treatment that hadn't worked. Yeah, we see this a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing that now as well. So even though the anti-VEGF injections are partly covered by our Medicare system, I think the rebate is about $100 per injection and the patient is still $500 out of pocket. And, you know, for some people that's once a month. For others it's, you know, every six weeks. So it's still a big out-of-pocket expense. And I'm sure it would be much worse in the States. Oh, I'm not even going to go into it, how bad it is and what I know people are spending on it. For those who are listening to this conversation right now and they're thinking, oh, you know, I've got some patients like this or, you know, maybe I'm going to see some patients like this or maybe I've even got a family member like this. Any suggestions that you would have for how to think about, how to approach other things to keep in mind when treating these kinds of degenerative eye diseases? Well, I think I think the secret is is to start early and to treat as consistently as possible. But the other thing is that, you know, as we saw with both Margaret and Rosemary, we can have both dramatic clinical effects for acute in acute situations, but also in very very chronic situations which, you know, where people perhaps have have given up. So I think I think that persistence is really the key. It's the key. Ideally, if time and money was not the factor, how often would you want to see people 
for these kinds of issues? This is a question that I've, that I've asked myself. I guess one of the main questions I've asked myself is what is the relative condition of acupuncture and of herbs? They work very well together. And the way I treat is that I, that I like to see people weekly if possible, but you know, fortnightly or monthly for acupuncture if that's what they can afford or have time for, but definitely keep taking the herbs. Are you using tablets, powders, raw herbs? How do you uh, prescribe? I use granules. I don't have much faith in tablets and I don't like and I don't use pre-capsulated herbs. So I mix my own granules and, you know, and I like that because I can vary the proportions or, or the mixes depending on, on the patient's clinical presentation. Yeah, the granules are great for that. Yeah. And they're super convenient for the patient to take. Yes. Paul, anything else that you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye for today? It would be wonderful to have some research, you know, establishing that, that this works in, in a way that, that can be presented to funding bodies. I'm trying to get some research happening here which is a little bit difficult because I'm way out in the boondocks and most of the research happens in the capital cities. And I know that people like Andy Rosenfarb have been doing research particularly into, I think, with um, transcorneal electrical stimulation in the, in the treatment of uh, retinitis pigmentosa. Look, it would be just wonderful to see more research establishing our medicine as an effective alternative. Absolutely. And I know that here in the United States these days, there's uh, doctorate programs are increasingly popular. And so if you any listeners out there, you've got an idea about this, here's a, I mean, this would probably not be a difficult study to do. You, you would be comparing the supplements to some herbal formulations. It's uh, it's a fairly straightforward study, isn't it? Well, yeah. I don't I don't know whether we actually okay. That that would be one way of doing it. I think that what it would be good to establish the efficacy of Chinese medicine, and and then perhaps do a follow up study. But the the thing to do is is actually do the study. Because with the, the lutein and zeaxanthin supplementation, it was the, the veteran studies that, you know, established those as workable alternatives. And that was, you know, and, and that was in the days when really there wasn't anything else about. Well, and there still really isn't much else that they have to offer. I find it interesting, fascinating, really that the best conventional medicine has at this point is something that's a supplement. It's a little bit unusual. Usually they're, they're working more with controlling something from a pharmaceutical perspective. But here it's... Look, the major treatment is actually the injections and the supplements are seen as supplements 
and as preventative medicine. And similarly in Australia, the majority, well, the vast majority of, of funding and attention is, is going into the pharmaceuticals and into, you know, research into stem cell approaches. Well, it sounds like there are some possibilities here that we can certainly work with and uh, follow up and see what happens. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time today here to uh, talk with us about your experience with treating these eye conditions that are such a problem for people, especially as we age. And it sounds like there's some real hope out there. I think that we have a lot to offer and uh, I would love to see our medicine being more widely used because I think we can really benefit our communities. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.